This month, for each of the Sundays in Advent, uh, I've been picking a carol for each Sunday. Um, and as I've, I've been searching through the carols and reading some of the lyrics, I've learned that there are so many great carols, theologically rich, beautifully written historical songs that the church has sung for centuries. And it's been hard for me to pick just four songs for the four Sundays. And on top of that, as you started to realize the series, how the series was going, many of you have called me and emailed me like I'm a DJ asking for requests for your favorite carol. In the bleak midwinter, Hark the herald angels sing, O come, all ye faithful. Grandma got run. No, no, not that one. But we are out of time. So maybe we'll do the series again because we are out of, of Sundays and out of nights of worship to, to go through some of the carols. But there was one service as I was planning the month and planning the carols that we were going to be looking that was not a difficult choice to make. There's no discussion, no discussion needed. I knew from the very beginning that I wanted to do this series, the song that I wanted to do, the song I had to do on Christmas Eve night. And so tonight, we're going to briefly think through the carol, Silent Night, and then at the end of our service, we will join with Christians quite literally around the world in singing this classic carol. And so I'll begin our time tonight by reading the three verses for Silent Night, and then we'll join together in prayer. Silent Night, Holy Night, all is calm, all is bright. Round yon virgin, mother and child, holy infant so tender and mild. Sleep in heavenly peace, sleep in heavenly peace. Silent Night, Holy Night. Shepherds quake at the sight. Glories stream from heavens afar. Heavenly hosts sing Alleluia. Christ the Savior is born. Christ the Savior is born. Silent night, holy night. Son of God's love, pure light. Radiant beams from thy holy face with dawn of redeeming grace. Jesus, Lord, at thy birth, Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. Let's pray. And so, Father, we come before you tonight, and we celebrate and we remember the birth of your son, Jesus Christ, the birth that changed everything for all of us. And so we come and we worship you, we cherish you, we sing to you. And so, God, we pray now as we think through this song and we think through the story of the birth of your son, God, that, that you would give us peace, that you would give us peace. And so we ask for in the name of your Holy Spirit that he would come and open our hearts to understand, to hear, to understand what, what you're saying to us tonight, and then that you would work through the Spirit in the Son by your word. In his name we pray. Amen. I was in my car the other day, and this song came on the radio, and I think it was Carrie Underwood who was singing it. 
Um, and I'm not sure that anyone can outsing her on this song. It was beautiful, radiant, it's peaceful, it's calming. And as I was listening to her sing this song, the question popped in my head. Would Mary have sung this song that night 2,000 years ago? Would Mary have sung and thought, believed the words of the song, Silent Night, that night when Jesus was born 2,000 years ago? Was it silent? Was all calm and bright? Do you think those would have been the adjectives that she would have used to describe her circumstances in that moment? And so that's the question I want to look at tonight, and I, I want to look at it more than just Mary's perspective, but I want to ask that same question from the writer of the song's perspective, who we'll learn about here in a few minutes. Was it a silent, calm, bright, holy night for the songwriter? And then I want to ask that question from our perspective. Tonight, for you, silent, calm, bright, and holy. And so we start with Mary. Was it a silent night for Mary? And I don't think it was. I don't think anything about the circumstances of this pregnancy and of her birth, of Jesus, anything that surrounded this, I don't think any of this was Silent, calm, bright, peaceful. So just a couple questions to think through this. Or a couple statements. Was it, I don't think it was a silent, calm, and bright announcement when Mary found out that she was pregnant with Jesus. I mean, just think about how the announcement would have gone for Mary and Joseph when she shared with him what was happening or with her family or with the people in Nazareth. I remember sharing with my parents, Ashley and I sharing when we were, birth, when we were pregnant uh, with our first, Caroline. It was a Christmas season. We wrapped up the sonogram as a, as a present under the tree, and I remember them unwrapping it and seeing the picture, and we celebrated. This was their first grandchild. My dad was acting like Clemson had scored a touchdown. It was a big moment for our family. But I don't think this would have been Mary's experience. I don't think there would have been that kind of excitement. Just imagine how the conversation would have gone with Joseph. Now, the text, the gospel, doesn't tell us much about that conversation, but it's not hard to imagine how Joseph was feeling. They were married. Now, in this culture, they were waiting to consummate the marriage. It was probably a year before they would consummate this marriage, but in this culture, they were considered, they were married, but they were waiting, and they were pure, and you can just imagine Mary having to tell Joseph, I am pregnant. And clearly, obviously, you're not the father. But let me just explain to you what has happened because I have a really good explanation. Now, we know how Joseph responded to learning that she was pregnant. Matthew 1.19, her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. He would get a divorce I mean, what would be the assumption 
Joseph would have made in hearing what was going on? The assumption is, Mary, you have been unfaithful. Something isn't right here. And so in this culture, it was legal at this point to get a divorce in this engagement period where they were considered married because of unfaithfulness. And though he had decided to be quiet about it, a divorce is still a divorce. And you can just imagine Mary. What is Mary thinking as she tries to share what's going on in her life with the people in Nazareth? I mean, this could not have been a silent night for Mary as she is telling the people that that live all around her that she is pregnant, that Joseph had considered a divorce. Again, all the people are thinking, she has been unfaithful. And so I don't know that it would have been a silent, expecting announcement, a joyous announcement. There's would have been nothing silent about the opinions of the people around her, nothing silent about the shunning that she would have received for the decisions that they would have thought she would have made. And it wasn't a silent trip to Bethlehem either when she went to give birth to Jesus. Luke 2, 1 through 5, give us the circumstances around them going from Nazareth to Bethlehem. It says, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. I mean, if things weren't bad enough with the announcement of what was happening in this, in this couple's lives, now, the worst possible time, they have to go back to Bethlehem. Now, this would have been something like a census as we understand it. It probably meant that Caesar had a tax for the people for Rome. And so this is, this is bad news. This is worst case scenario, 80 miles from where they were to go back to Bethlehem. Four, eight hour days of traveling through the desert with the weather, with the vandals. And the worst part of it all, Mary was very pregnant, very pregnant. So just picture that, imagine that, 80 miles That's from where you sit right now to King of Prussia Mall. Imagine walking there after service tonight. How's that going to go? It's a long walk, and she was very pregnant. And so there was nothing silent about this. There's nothing calm and bright and peaceful about this walk. Her feet had to be killing her, her back Her muscles were screaming, complete exhaustion. And it wasn't a silent delivery. She didn't have an epidural. She wasn't on a hospital bed. She didn't have a doctor and a team of nurses. She didn't have a hospital gown. She didn't have machines to keep watch of heartbeats. She didn't have umbilical cord scissors. It was dark 
There were animals, and Mary was in the dirt. And this, these were her circumstances. One of my favorite Christmas songs is a storyteller, Andrew Peterson. And we're going to listen just to the first minute or so of his song that I think does a really good job of imagining what this labor would have been like for Mary. So we'll listen here now. So it wasn't a silent, quiet, calming announcement that they were expecting, and it wasn't a calm and quiet trip to Bethlehem, and it wasn't a silent delivery, nor would it have been a silent first couple years for baby Jesus. Matthew 2, 16 through 18 says, Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious, and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem, and in all that region who were two, year old, two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. The most skipped over Christmas story in the gospel, the dark reality of Christmas, it was not silent in the way that we think about it with this song. If you've ever been to a funeral like this, I mean, there is no sound in the world that is more unsettling than to hear a parent weep for a child. And this is what was happening, not just one mother. We're, we're, talking, we're talking throngs of weeping parents for their children. And so I think it's reasonable to say, no, it was not a silent night, not a silent nine months, not a silent first year. 
And so to our next question, was it a silent night for the songwriter of the song Silent Night? He was a 20-something priest, his name Joseph Moore. The song was written back in the fall, of a, or put together and sung for the first time back in 1816 in a small village of Austria, Oberndorf. If you want to picture it in your mind, this little town is gorgeous. Sits right around, right in the middle of the Alps. If you picture a Christmas village, I mean, this is what you picture. Here was a 20-something priest who wrote this song. And I've learned as I've been reading about Austria and the little village of Oberndorf in the fall of 1816, it would have been tremendously under pressure and stress. A couple of events that had just happened around this little town would have caused a darkness to be around the people. First, they had just finished a 12-year war, the Napoleonic War, where Napoleon Bonaparte had just finished going on a tear across the continent to conquer all the land in Austria, was right in the crosshairs. And at the end of the war, the 12 long years of war, because of the Congress of Vienna, the the borderlines to this little village shifted because of uh, this new resolution because of the war. Half of the town was assigned to Bavaria, the other half to Austria, and this had a major impact on the people in this little village, how they worked, where they could go, what they could do, who they could associate with. And so, needless to say, they did not like this new redistribution of their little village. 1816 was also the year, I didn't know this, was called the year without a summer. A volcano had erupted, a a volcano Mount Tambora in Indonesia, and it had major impact on the climate that summer. And so they call it the the summer that was like winter. It's dark and cold. It snowed this summer in this little village in Austria. And so this caused major crop failure. This caused major famine, economic hardship, depression. And then the, the major town closest to this little village, Salzburg, on top of all this, a fire destroyed 93 buildings, leaving thousands of people without jobs. And so th- this is the setting by which this song came together. The people were disheartened, and they were hungry, and they were poor. And on top of all of it, this pastor, this priest, goes to his church on December 23rd, and the church organ is broke. You're talking about real catastrophe now. I mean, this, what are we going to do? There was a group There was a group of musicians and actors coming into town to reenact the birth of Jesus and the organ's not working and so they move it last minute to someone's someone's house and as the story goes, Pastor Moore was walking home that night, December 23rd, thinking, what am I going to do on Christmas Eve? We have no organ. What, What can we do together on the heels of so much disaster and devastation and it was on this long walk home that he remembered a poem 
that he had written just a couple years ago. The poem was Silent Night. And he went home, he pulled out his acoustic guitar, the birth of contemporary worship music. (laughs) Took his guitar to church the next night, and on December 24th, 1818, for the first time, Silent Night was sung. But I think we can answer the question. Was it a silent night? Was it calm and peaceful and bright? In a lot of ways, the answer would be no. Volcanoes and wars and fires and the organ and all these things have happened. And so it leads me to the last question. Is tonight a silent night for you and for me? And if I had to guess, I would think I'd say it's not. It's not a silent night for you, and it's not a silent night for me. That There's noise in your life, that there's something in your life that is unsettling and unexpected, that there's something less than fortunate that is clouding your, that is on your shoulders, and it is causing this perpetual noise in your heart. You are unsettled, whatever it may be a broken relationship, an unfulfilling job, something that is missing in your life, something that you don't have that you wish you did, someone who's not here who you wish was here. In some way, for each of us, I think we'd be able to say, no, all is not calm. All is not bright. All is not silent. And so here's the real question. How would Mary sing this song? And how would Pastor Moore write this song? And how on earth can we tonight, in just a few minutes, join with millions of Christians around the world belting out Silent Night? How can we do that? Because in reality, it's not. And I think it's a worthwhile question. What should we be thinking of? How are we able to sing the words of this song? And I think if we think about the lyrics, the lyrics give us a clue on how we can do it. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. Round young virgin, mother and child, holy infant, so tender and mild, sleep in heavenly peace. And that's the line. Jesus slept in heavenly peace. He didn't, according to the song, he doesn't sleep in earthly peace. He doesn't sleep in hospital peace. He doesn't sleep in family peace. He doesn't sleep in material or financial peace. Jesus slept in heavenly peace. And it's with this little word that everything with this song starts to make sense. Silent night, calm, bright, holy night. These are not descriptions of the physical earth or the physical experience. These are heavenly realities. And so now that we think of it in this way, the song all of a sudden becomes an invitation. Jesus came and he slept in heavenly peace. And it is the same peace, heavenly peace, that he invites you to. That yes, 
There will be wars. There will be natural disasters and there will be hardship and there will be famine and persecution and struggle. Yet, Jesus invites us to join with him in heavenly peace, a peace with God, because that's the peace that we need. That the reality is, is that there's not peace between us and God, that we have walked away from God's created purpose for us to live with him and to walk with him and to know him, to represent him and to honor him, that we haven't done that. And the Bible says that because when we walk away from his created purpose for us, that there's no longer peace there. There's opposition and hostility. There's an alienation. There's brokenness. But we, we sing here at Christmas because this is why Jesus came. He came to give you the peace you desperately need with God. Romans 5.1, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus came to give us peace with God, and it is the peace that matters most. What a gift. What a gift this is. And we can sleep into heavenly peace, though the world around us falls apart. You know, I was doing some research on this song, and perhaps you knew this about the song, but to me, this, this was an incredible story about the song, Silent Night, that really pictures what I'm trying to communicate tonight. And it goes back to World War I in 1914. The Allies and the Germans, a war that the more I read about, the less confident I felt that I could capture the brutality of this long war. I mean, I was overwhelmed with the bloodshed of this war. And the, the one quote that I'll read to help kind of picture how bad this was, was this, this fact or this statistic from the war. It says, 6,046 people were killed every day in the Great War. A war that lasted 1,566 days. If we gave each fallen soldier 30 seconds of silence, silence we would be sitting still for nine unbroken years. And so th this is the war. This is the context of this song, Silent Night. And so as the story goes, the first Christmas Eve after the war had started, December 24th, 1914, something happened that has never happened before and has not ever happened since. That night, a Christmas truce was reached. So here's kind of how it happened. So in other words, the fighting stopped on this night on Christmas Eve. And the way the story is told, there's books and shows all about this. But how it happened was all of a sudden on one side of the battlefield, German soldiers started singing in German, Silent Night. And at first the Allies, I mean, you read about how the Allies were, were reacting. This was a trick. This was a trick. They want us to look up or to come out or to come over and that this is just part of their plan to come after us. But as they continued to sing, they started to look and see what was happening. One 
one private from England, this is what he says. He said, something in the direction of the German lines caused us to rub our eyes and to look again. Here and there, showing just above their parapet, we could see very faintly what looked like very small colored lights. They were Christmas trees. We were very suspicious and were discussing the strange move of the enemy. When something even stranger happened, the Germans were actually singing, Silent Night. Soon, they said, as they kind of waited what, what was going to happen? They started to hear shouts of Merry Christmas in the trenches. Germans started throwing boots full of chocolates and shouting in English, the enemy's, the enemy's language. English soldiers, English soldiers, happy Christmas. Where are your Christmas trees? No shooting tonight. Sing tonight. You no shoot, we no shoot. And so finally... The allies came out from their trenches and they met in the middle with the Germans. The, the area, the, the middle part of the, the battlefield was called no man's land. And I, I won't describe it because it was bad, really bad. But they met in the middle and for that Christmas Eve and then for that Christmas day, there was a Christmas truce. Riding bikes they found, they played soccer they celebrated together, recognizing. They said, today we have peace. Tomorrow you fight for your country. I fight for mine. Good luck. The truce would end. And it would end soon. And fighting would continue. And the sad reality was many of these soldiers were killed. But what, what a picture of heavenly peace. What a picture of the peace that we can have in the peace that Jesus brought. That though tonight, Christmas Eve night, your life might feel like a war. You may be completely unsettled with how things are going for you. The peace that Jesus came to bring, the peace and the forgiveness that we can have with the Father is peace that allows us to stand in the midst of our challenges and our discouragement. And we can sing silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, heavenly peace that we have with God. What a picture that was for us tonight. And so this, this is the peace that I invite you to tonight, that you'd believe in Jesus, that you'd put your hope and your faith and your trust in Jesus, not that the, the struggles of this life will end but that in the midst of them, in the midst of the war, because of our faith in Jesus, we can have peace with the Father, forgiveness with the Father, a reconciled relationship. And so it is my invitation to you tonight as we sing this song, believe in Jesus and hold on to the peace that he comes and he brings to you tonight. Let's pray. And so Father, we recognize that our life's experience for all of us is not calm and silent and holy and bright and peaceful. That we come into this room tonight, all of us would say we live in this unsettled discouragement over this or that, whatever it may be. But God, we thank you. We thank you. We worship you tonight that you sent Jesus to give us a peace 
that transcends all the pain that we face on this earth. That we can sing, silent night, holy night. All is calm, all is bright, because in your Son, we have a supernatural transcending peace. And so God, I pray for us. God, I pray that we would hold on to this peace, that though things may be hard, we can live in confidence and encouragement because of the peace that your son Jesus gives us. And so God, we give you this song. We love you. We worship you. We remember you tonight. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.